Hello, everybody. Welcome to week 10, and I can't believe it's already July. I hope you have a great Independence Weekend and holiday. My name is Charlie. Today, we have a talk with Rob, who has a lifelong struggle with substances, including alcohol and opiates, as well as Kratom. About a month ago, he went into a three-day medical detox for Kratom and has been clean ever since. Rob is like a brother. Technically, he's a couple months younger than me. This is a good thing because I was worried that Kratom was only a problem for people born between 1988 and 1999, which was the ages of all my previous guests. Now, we're going to do something a little bit different. As a fellow Gen Xer, we're going to rate the relative merits of all the John Hugh films and also have a discussion of whether which is the better band, Pearl Jam or U2. Okay, we're actually just going to talk about Kratom. I have an audio message from Jay in the Big Apple. I can't figure out how to download this the way I received it, so I'm going to have to use it through my microphone, so bear with me here. I just wanted to say thank you um, for the podcasts that you're putting out. Um, I'm actually listening to the newest one right now as I walk my dog. And so I got the idea that I wanted to just send a message and say thank you, um, for the work you're putting in for the community. It's really cool to find, you know, resources for, um, quitting Kratom, uh, because it's not so widely talked about yet. Um, and so it's been super, super, super helpful. And yeah, thank you so much. Um, I have been a five-year daily user, and I am currently down to 3.6 grams and planning to go off uh, next week. So thank you. Thanks, Jay, and good luck with that taper. Today we're going to talk about what many of us call cross-addiction or what is formally known as Addictive Interaction Disorder, or AID. The Care and Treatment Centers define AID as the following. Most addicts and alcoholics today face more than one addiction at the same time. These addictions not only coexist, they interact, reinforce, and fuse to become part of a package. This is called Addiction Interaction Disorder. And often this is in the context of process addictions like gambling and sex addiction, but it also is relevant to being addicted to multiple substances. From the Handbook of Addictive Disorders, a Practical Guide to Diagnosis and Treatment, edited by Robert Holman Combs. It's published in 2004, but you can download the whole thing, the whole PDF, and it's dated, and there's probably been a lot of new and advanced thinking since then. But if you want a free book, it's available, and I'll put it in the show notes. The book has this graphic inside of it called the Addiction Interaction Dimensions. This is where they identify 11 items in which addictions are impacted or in some way related to another. I'm going to go through them. First is cross-tolerance. This is where there's a simultaneous increase in addictive behavior in two or more addictions or in which there's a transfer of a high level of addictive activity to a new addiction with little or no developmental sequence. I've heard a lot of people with their kratom use, especially perhaps they previously used opiates, when they first use kratom, they just have a high tolerance already for it. Number two is withdrawal mediation. This is what kratom is known for and is actually marketed for, and it's to help with 
uh, to moderate or relieve or avoid physical withdrawals from another. This probably doesn't need much discussion. Kratom can be effective for that. Many of us struggle with, well, does that just facilitate the ongoing addiction? Because I know somebody that uses gabapentin reliably to with- withdraw from their kratom and they get off the kratom and then and then they discontinue the gabapentin. This creates an ongoing going in and off of a kratom. Number three, a replacement in which one addiction replaces another with the majority of the emotional and behavioral features of the first. This is a straight up transfer. And probably the most stereotypical example of this is in the 12 steps programs where people often joke about you go to the meetings and then you just get addicted to the coffee or the donuts there. And uh, in the old days, smoking, uh, alternating addiction cycles in which uh, number four, in which addictions can cycle back and forth in a pattern systematic way. And when you hear Rob talk, I think that was a big part of his story. Uh, masking. This is when an addict uses one addiction to cover up for another, perhaps a more substantial addiction. Six, ritualizing. This is when an addictive rituals or behavior of one addiction serves as a ritual pattern to engage in other addiction or addictive behavior. I mean, Elliot talked about his nicotine use was very tied to his kratom use. Uh, intensification. This is when one addiction accelerates, intensifies, augments another addiction while simultaneously using both. Numbing is when an addiction is used to medicate or soothe shame or pain caused by other addiction or addictive binging. I, I think all, a lot of us can think of examples of, especially with hangovers, um, using another substance, including Kratom, to just kind of numb a, a, a bad night with memories, you know. It's not, you're not using it for the withdrawals. You're using it because you did some ridiculous things while drunk. Nine, disinhibiting. This is when your use of one substance lowers your resolve or eliminates your discipline to abstain and moderate from another substance. And it can lead to increased use or relapse on another drug. And I hear this a lot with people using other substances and then eventually relapsing back on Kratom. Combining is when you use them at the same time to achieve certain effects. And inhibiting is when you use one addiction to prevent maybe a more harmful addiction. Uh, This is better known as harm reduction. So this came up in my therapy session with my individual counselor this week. And it was in the context of, I found myself after getting off Kratom addicted to my phone I was using it too much. A lot of these dynamics were what I was experiencing. It was definitely a replacement. I used the phone to deal with my withdrawals from Kratom. I, when I was high on Kratom, I, my use of my phone increased. And that just definitely, that behavior, that ritual continued once I stopped uh, taking Kratom. So, um, Many of these 11 dimensions uh, I could really relate to. Using your phone is a, you know, a process addiction. And obviously the harms from that are way less than a substance abuse addiction. And, you know, I didn't spend $2,700 
uh, during my, uh, <laughs> my phone addiction. So I, I've taken steps to eliminate that. I've used, I have a, installed a blocker on my phone to, to limit my time using certain apps. I've set aside only using social media on Wednesdays and Sundays, though I haven't been perfect with that moderation schedule. And I'm also trying to read this book called Stolen Focus by Johan Hari. Um, I bought the book 10 days ago, but I haven't cracked it yet. All right. Before we get to the interview, I have a message from JB on the East Coast. He says, love the podcast. I was also very happy that you have had guests on the podcast that are in a MAP program. I felt quite a bit of stigma and negativity when trying to discuss Matt in the Quitting Kratom subreddit. And listening to your past interviews with guests in a program helped me feel a bit connected to others who choose a similar path to quit Kratom. All your guests have been great, and Joey had some really good thoughts. Thanks for your message, and I'm glad. That's why I wanted to talk about Matt. I know it is a controversial issue, and actually Rob today is going to share his negative experience and kind of give another side to the medicated assistant treatment debate. My only position is please don't bully other people if they choose to do that, even if you feel strongly that it's the worst idea ever and everybody has their own path. One last thing before we get into the interview, Rob does mention some suicidal thinking at the end of his Kratom use. Just be alert and also there is help out there. There's the 988 Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. You can call or text or chat with that service. Here's the interview. Welcome, Rob. So excited to have you on the show today. Can you please describe yourself outside of your experience with addiction? Yeah, sure. So, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I guess a child of four, you know, grew up with a older brother, older sister, younger brother, uh, born and raised in a good old Ogden, Utah. Um, you know, brought, was brought up, uh, in the prominent religion around here and, um, was kind of a, a, a my mom would call me the the I'm not the problem child, but she worried about me because I was just very active and very, I guess ADD ish if you want to call that. You know, I I was always having to do something or I, I couldn't just sit still. So, yeah, that's me in a nutshell. But <laughs> you know, the thing is, along the way, that that kind of I'm just kind of a I'm a, I'm a I'm a goofy kid, you know, I, 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 my whole thing is I, I like to make people laugh, you know, so I have, I do like in, impersonations and, and, and that kind of stuff to make my kids laugh. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just a pretty, pretty well, wild and funny guy when you get to know me. I'm a little bit shy, but once you get to know me, I, I, I have that funny side to me and Robbie likey druggy. <laughs> yeah. In my family, I was the oldest and the smartest and knew everything. You probably had some older siblings like that. Right. Yep. What was your first exposure to Kratom? So my first exposure to Kratom would have been 
I I I started. I think I I told you originally it was in the, in, in the late nineties, but now that I got thinking about it. It had to be like two thousand three to two thousand six, somewhere in that area. Because I, okay. again, I I was struggling with opiates again, and I was introduced to it, saying you know basically it was the new thing. It was like, hey, this is going to help you, you know. So um, and it did. It absolutely did. At first, of course, in the beginning, in the end, no. Did you use it for withdrawals and things like that? Yes, that's it. Was always a go-to when I didn't have my opiate. Um, when I didn't have the opiates, it was always I, it was always something I knew I could go get. Um, and fall back on to help with the withdrawals. So that's, yeah, that's why I would use it back then. I'm, I guess, I guess you can call me a poly user. I, I just, if it makes me feel good, if it smells good, tastes good, looks good, sounds good, I'm all about it, you know? And so, um, and I want more of it, you know, a little is never enough. You know, I want more. Yeah. Uh, what is your history struggling with other substances then? So, um, I've had like uh, uh, alcohol got pretty pretty heavily uh, involved with alcohol uh, to the point of it was like shutting my body down. You know, I got to where I was drinking two fifths a day, and it was it was horrible, right? But yeah, uh, kratom, kratom. When I when I decided that it was killing me, you know, I was able I was able to to uh, detox off of the alcohol. Actually, I checked my at that point. I checked myself into a facility because it was that bad. I couldn't. I would have probably died, you know, just trying to do it cold turkey. But, um, but, but the fact is, you know, after that, uh, getting back into work and being sober for a very little time frame, that 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 depression and that anxiety and everything you feel within those months, those several months of of being um, clean, whether alcohol, whatever it is that you're um, trying to abstain from. Those are the, the diff, most difficult times, and those are the, the times that I have fallen back on kratom. I'm like, well, I can, you know, because I, I, for whatever reason, I was thinking it's still, it, I can buy it at the, you know, at the smoke shops or at the gas station or whatever, and it's, it's, it's not that bad. That's the lie I would tell myself. It's not that bad. I can just take a little bit to get to get over this depression, and so I can actually work, you know, and that's where it starts, right? That first choice. So when did Kratom itself become more of the problem. I would say um, within the last five years, within the last five years, because I've battled this back and forth with the alcohol and and the and the kratom and mixing them. Of course, is just a, a deadly cocktail, right? Um, I think um, so. I would go back and forth, and and finally, I I I, I did I got myself clean off of the the alcohol, and I started going to I started going back to AA meetings. I like that community. I really do. I like the NA and the AA. I like the community. Um, so I started going back to the AA meetings, but yet inside I was still kind of empty. Like I'm going to these meetings, but I'm taking Kratom, you know, in, in the handfuls. I, and so it just didn't make sense to me. But um, that was that that's been within the last five years. The last year and a half to two years is where it really got dark because I, I could not. I was spending a whole bunch of money. Um, I was taking the liquid stuff, you know, and taking three of those bottles a day. And I was I was losing vision. I was um, getting like sick, sick, like really sick, um, to the point I thought I was dying a couple times. And I'm like, oh, I gotta go to the hospital. I think I'm dying. You know, it, it was a crazy feeling. Once once I got to that point, 
I'm like, you know, I need to do something. So, so somebody yeah. told me about this ketamine. They said, you should do ketamine, right? Ketamine okay. basically rewires your brain, puts a, like, it's almost like a mountain with, with fresh snow, right? It, 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 if you have all these ski tracks in your brain, like memories and stuff, they say ketamine is like a blanket of, of a new blanket of snow that it doesn't actually, it doesn't take away those memories, but it just kind of puts a new layer on them and helps you, helps you with life, right? Well, I tried it, but in the whole time I was doing the six week of ketamine, I was still taking kratom, maybe minimal. They told me to take to not drink or take kratom two days prior to the treatment, and that never happened. And that ketamine treatment was is it was a dark feeling for me. Like it was okay at first, but it, towards the end, I, it it threw me into a, a spiral of even more kratom. So I was, you know, because I couldn't get rid of those thoughts of, of the the, you know. The stuff that I went through through that that dreaming or yeah. whatever you want to call that that conscious state where your eyes are wide open, but your world is different. And mine was like me dying. That's what I saw, me dying. So the ketamine treatment wasn't successful, and you think it was in part because you were using. Or- I, I believe I believe so. I think I you know I don't know because I I haven't done the research to find out if anyone had those same experience. Well, I know one guy that had the same experience that I did. Um, and uh, that he hated it. He thought he was going to die. And he's like, you know, I ever want to go back. But, um, you know, there's more people that have the, 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 you know, just like Kratom. There's more people saying, there's quite a few people saying, hey, this works for me, right? This is good for me. But there's a lot of this that it, it takes us to a dark side of this, you know, the brain or whatever you want to call it. The conscious. Yeah. And what are were some of the other problems with Kratom? You talked about health and money. Were there any other issues? Um, those are the main, the main things, you know, my health, um, I felt like, and, 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 you know, the funny thing is, is I always thought it was me, you know, like, is this, is this, what's, what am I really just getting older? And am I, my, is my, is my, all my using and my compulsive behavior killing me? Uh, is this Kratom and like literally killing me? And cause I was, I was having more, more body aches than I thought I should have at 53 years old, like waking up and shuffling to the bathroom and just in pain feet you know hips back you name it and uh, after listening to your podcast and listening to you know all all your um the guys basically all the podcast yeah they they everyone almost every one of them not every one of them but most of them were talking about the pains the the stomach problems i'm still every morning you know i can't leave this house for a couple hours because my stomach is going off and uh and i know that that will uh minimize and eventually go away but it's it's not good. It thrashes yeah. your system. It's like it's like it builds. It's like I I thought about this, and it's like all this the the the, the drugs, the alcohol. It like it it builds like a um uh, it's almost like a bacteria in your body that it builds a culture in there and just messes your whole system up. You know, it messes your whole system up. It takes every emotion that you have, puts it in a bag, and throws it on a shelf, and says, "We don't need this because we have this." And it doesn't work. You got you can't function like that. You just can't. Yeah, yeah. There's two th- parts to it. It seems like there's a psychological that and that allegory of your emotions being on a shelf. And then I've also heard I don't know if this is scientific. Like the alkaloids like uh, coat your gut and they stay in there for a while, and that, that's part of the withdrawal and um, detoxing process. Well, congratulations when this is published on Sunday. I believe you'll be celebrating 30 days kratom free. What helped you finally quit in May? 
You know, I, I I tell you what, Charlie, I believe it was, um, I, I believe it was the, the thoughts that my brain, you know, those thoughts, those dark, dark, dark thoughts that every, every day, and this went on for weeks and weeks, I've been in a bad spot. I've been, I've, I've gone through this, this, this addiction, this addictions, alcoholism. I've gone through these withdrawals and, and the different waves of withdrawals that come in because you got to deal with them week by week by week, you know, the, yeah. the irritable leg syndrome, the the brain zaps, the no sleep, the sweats, the diarrhea, all of it, all of it, right? Plus the depression, anxiety. But it got so bad that my my thoughts went to the dark, I mean, to that checking out, right? Because I've had friends in this program that have done that. And I understand it. I fully understand why people check themselves out of this world. But that's where my brain went. You know, it started, it started thinking of, you know, not that I ever planned it and wrote it, you know what I mean? Like I premeditated how I was going to, you know, check myself out of this world. But the fact that I started thinking that way scared the hell out of me. It just scared the hell out of me, you know, because I've got, I've got two wonderful boys, identical boys that that uh, I love, you know, my, and my daughter. Um, I taught my daughter a lot because we've got such a good relationship, you know, and mm-hmm. that that just those thoughts came in, and and that's when it was like, you gotta you gotta strap those boots on, man, and you gotta you gotta fight. I told my kids I will never give up. I will never give up this battle. I mean, I've battled it time and time again. I don't want to give up, man. I want to climb that mountain and see what recovery mountain on top looks like, you know? Yeah. So, Yeah, having suicidal thoughts is scary, and I'm glad that phase is gone and yeah. that you've got some relief. Yes. Um, did you uh, taper or cold turkey, or did you use medicated assistant treatment? So, so here's, here's the thing, you know, I, I, I ended up going, I ended up getting online and starting to look at detox programs for Kratom. Cause you know, back in the day that there, there was no, no detox and facilities, right. Kratom was yeah. not, not, this is a recent thing. And I was surprised when, when, uh, I called the ACT, which is the, um, right up here at the hospital in my local area. And they said, yeah, we do, we do detox, uh, Kratom. So I, I'm like, I got to do it, you know? Um, and that's what I did. I went and checked myself in. It was just a three-day detox. I told them uh, when I got there, look, I don't want to, you to send me home with a bunch of drugs because that's what they do. They send you home with Suboxone, Suboxone. My, 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 uh, my experience with Suboxone is not good. It's just it's another thing that I think it, it, it takes its toll. You know, they put you on this long, like, tapered program. It's like, no, you just, I just want to detox, take the very minimal for the you know, few days. They give me mm-hmm. clonidine, uh, Librium, and Suboxone. And I took those few things for the first four or five days. Uh, and then I, 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 in fact, I still have like, I don't know, eight or nine of the, the Librium that I just need to flush. I don't, you know. But anyway, that, that, that was it. I didn't want to. I knew what I had to deal with. I needed to deal with what was coming. You know, the withdrawals. That you just, you got to embrace the pain. It sucks. It absolutely sucks. But if you can't br- embrace it and be uncomfortable for an extended period of time, you're not going to grow from this. You're not going to learn from this. That's my my that's my take, and that's how it's done. The pain you got to deal with it. <laughs> well, that I mean, you do. It is fresh in your mind, and the audience can benefit from it just being a month ago. But how did the last uh, month go? It. It has been so so difficult, you know, and, and, and I, for those that are out there struggling, 
with this, you know, with addiction in general, but it's, it's, it's not easy. It, it is a very difficult road, but it's so worth it. If you fight, you have to fight. And I'm talking, you know, I'm still fighting. This morning I woke up and I, I had that kind of that depressed feeling again, you know, and mm-hmm. it just, these get, I get these waves in my stomach. So, you know, I, I jump right on like my stationary bike and get a sweat going. Um, and that seems to alleviate that depression. And that's what I did this morning, uh, you know, to get, to kind of get out of myself, uh, because my own thoughts, you know, again, I, I, I've, I've heard this once and, and I like it, but if I stay my, my, my in between my ears is, is kind of like a, a bad neighborhood, you know, <laughs> uh, like, yeah. you know, I don't want to stay in there alone by myself for too long because things aren't good in there. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I, I hope your stomach feels better. I had, we've talked about this, but I had similar, um, I think about the month I finally felt a little bit better, but between that and the lack of sleep were my, the most distressing symptoms to me. Um, and, and now I'm around a hundred days and I'm back to baseline, but it, it is hard before, you know, for a while before you get to there. Um, what sleep. seemed to help the most with withdrawals? For me, um, for me, it was basically a lot of, a lot of, um, I, I would, I would fill my tub up as hot. I mean, I would do full hot tap water and then I'd, I'd let that, that, that tub sit for maybe about six to seven minutes. So it'd cool down a little bit. And then I would ease myself in it. It, it was really, really hot, but it did something. Um, a lot of hot baths for me with some Epsom salt. Um, I tried to meditate some. Uh, the exercise, of course, when I when I when I felt that wave of just that anxiety and depression, those those waves are so so strong that will lead you back to taking something because you don't want to feel that way. That's when I would you know uh, do the little bit of exercise to work up that sweat. Um, but basically, the hot baths for me um, and like tea, I you know drinking some tea, sleeping. I'm still not sleeping great, you know. Um, and I know that will change too. Again, this is a, this is a, a process. And I know for me, cause I've done it so many times, it's, it's always worse, you know, the, 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 each time you do it and I may be in, in for a, a, a you know, who knows, eight, nine months to a year of some serious kind of calm flashbacks, calm, whatever, you know, little different waves of withdrawal symptoms and that'll hit me here and there. I just got to deal with them. What uh, supports have you been able to put in place to maintain your abstinence? Um, you know, I don't, I don't do a whole lot of the, the, the meetings. You know, I like to go to one or so just because I have friends there and it's kind of, kind of fun to pop in and see them. But I do a lot of uh, reading. Um, I do a lot of writing. Um, like I'll just wake up and, 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 and if, if I'm thinking those dark feelings and that, that kind of feeling sometimes I just start writing about it and, and it'll come out in a poem or whatever and 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 that makes me you know it, it does something for me but yeah reading writing the exercise um so so those things like the exercise and the reading and the writing and then when I have those feelings come because they've come those 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 negative or those uh that's self-doubt this you know the self-sabotage you know like hey Rob you, you know you probably if you don't want to feel this way you know how to you know how to get out of it you know, those thoughts, I have to shut them down. I got like an eight second rule to shut that thought down. Yeah. To divert it, not entertain it. If I entertain it, it's, it's over for me. 
if I entertain it long enough, I'm, I'm pounding, you know. Did you have any routines that were associated with your Kratom use that have been triggers, you know, like a certain driving through a certain part of town or anything like that? There's, I mean, the Kratom's everywhere. I mean, it's, with, and I can walk to the little gas station down the street for the Kratom thing. Um, but I've just kind of, yeah, I've just kind of taken different routes when I've left. I just, for now, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Because it's all around. Well, I'm, I'm not, that, that, that's something you can't, you can't, we, we can't, that's going to be around, right? It's going to be around. In fact, my daughter, this, this just recently happened. My daughter had, her 21, uh, her 21st birthday. She had a big party. I went to her house and, mm -hmm. and they're, they're all taking shots and they're drinking and having a good time, you know? And, and my boys were like, dad, you okay? You're going to be okay here. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be okay. I'm like, this is my daughter. I want to be here for her. And that was it. I want to be here for her. And so I went, I hung out for a while, uh, played some cornhole and, and hung out with my daughter. And then I left and it worked out. Okay. I had a little anxiety, but it worked out. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that one of my other guests mentioned this, that, you know, if we struggle with alcoholism, there's going to be lots of wet places like that. But for the most part, at least they weren't serving uh, shots of Kratom there. You know, You're correct. Yes, that's that's true. That's true. <laughs> so um, I know it's early on, but uh, what are the upsides in your life now being Kratom free? Um, I feel like, I feel like I'm getting a little more clarity, you know, every day it gets a little better. I get a little more, um, it's like, it's like having a new pair of goggles on, you know, looking through a different lens. Um, uh, again, it's a little bit foggy still, but I know that that, that will clear up. Um, and that's the best part of it all because, you know, for so long we, you know, I, 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 I thought that, you know, be drink, drinking or the, the Kratom. It helped me. It helped me, right? The, the kratom helped me be able to stay on point with tasks and do this and that and the other. And in the reality, it did nothing but it was it was bad, right? It didn't help at all. In fact, it made it worse. Like I I couldn't stay on top of all this. In fact, I walked away from my job in twenty one, a job that I loved in sales, because I I had I had to go figure out myself. I had to go you know find myself and fix myself. Because I was I was heading down that destructive road, and that was in 21, and it's taken this long. I just I did kind of self destruct after walking away, but yeah, um, yeah. Our work gives us some structure sometimes, and yeah. I, well, you touched on this earlier, and you know I try to advocate that you know Matt should be a, sort of a last resort, you know, but while trying to be open minded about it. But I, I think it's important to hear people who have had bad experiences with it. And um, so, yeah, could you tell the audience a little bit more about um, some of the downsides of using subs? I just, I know for me um, when they, when they put me on, like, in fact, way back when I was in my early thirties, they, they put me on Dexedrine, which is like Ritalin. Right. And I abused it, you know? And so I had bad experience with that. I've had bad experience with Suboxone where it was a, it was a, they put me on it for several months and we, they were going to do like this taper thing, but it, but you know, I would take, I would end up taking more, um, than I was supposed to. And it always led, it always led to, you know, the withdrawals, you know, I, I just, it's a drug is a drug is a drug. And if it, if it has that effect, it, you know, and you're going to have withdrawals, it's best just to be 
it's nice to have that stuff. I, I get why they have it to minimize those withdrawals, but to be, you know, it needs to be on a really tight scheduled taper plan, not this month after month thing, you know, where I, I hear people that put, they, they put on Suboxone. In fact, I have, I have people I know that they, they put on Suboxone from Kratom, which I, I don't, I almost think it's worse sometimes. It's like, well, maybe not worse, but it's not, and it's not any better to me. This is my personal feeling about it, you know? Yeah. And you had pretty bad withdrawals from Suboxone itself? Yep. I did. I did a lot of sleepless nights and irritable leg and, you know, some of the same symptoms that, yep. that I had with all the other stuff. But, yeah. Thank you. What is your best advice for someone getting ready to quit Kratom? You know, uh, you remember, you know, Jimmy V, uh, Jimmy V, Jimmy V did the, he was like a sports, uh, a sports oh. commentator and he, he played, I think he played college ball and stuff and he okay. got cancer and he had that big, uh, he was talking at the ESPN awards or something like that. And I remember he was talking about cancer and he said, whatever you're struggling with in life, he said, don't you ever quit, you know, don't you ever give up. And that has resonated with me. Uh, you know, because I remember watching that back then, and I was in my addiction and thinking, I like that. You know, so for those that are struggling, don't give up. Don't you ever give up, you know, because it's worth the fight. You know, it's so worth the fight. You just have to fight. And you need some support. You know, you can't do it alone. This is not an alone thing. You need it. You need somebody. You need some community. You need friends. You need whatever. But you cannot do it alone and my well, at least i can i have to have some help yeah i agree with you on that um i know you read a lot of books but i think you have one that's your favorite could you tell us about it yeah i um i just recently um read uh 25 words um by i think barbara rogers it's uh 25 words how how the serenity prayer can save your life and i found that was very helpful there's a lot of things in that book that that resonated with me and made sense you know, and of course, I, I like the like I read all the um, as Bill sees it and, and daily reflections and and con and uh, let's see, yeah, consciousness contact and just for today. There's just these little books that are like a 24 hour kind of thing. So there's there's something every day that you read in all the in all these books, and they seem to they seem to help as well. Good stuff. All right. Well, I joked about this in the opening, but if you had to pick. Uh, would you go with Pearl Jam or U2? Pearl Jam. Okay. Yeah, Pearl Jam. Yep. I like I, U2. Um, I like U2 too, but I, I, I yeah, I'm a, I like Pearl Jam. I think I, yeah, I think because I listened to them in the 80s, I'd probably be more of a, the U2 side of things, but nothing like Eddie Vedder singing the, like an acoustic song. I, oh, yeah. Big fan of that. Um, yeah. Do you have go-to music when you're having a bad day? Yeah, um, I man, my my music genre is pretty wide. You know, I I mean, I I like, I mean, it's like I can go from Frank Sinatra to to Megadeth, you know, and that everything in between. But I'm a big fan of the the Red Hot Chili Peppers. They're one of my favorites. You know, I'm always listening to Red Hot, Ozzy Osbourne. I love Ozzy Osbourne. Um, and when I'm working out, Eminem, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah, something about Eminem when I'm working out, just he's got some songs that put a little fire under you, you know. Yeah. 
and he's sober. Yeah, yeah. I some if you listen to a lot of his a lot of his songs, uh, there's a lot of good stuff for you if you listen to it about addiction and about that struggle. And and you know, it's cool. It's really cool that he's doing what he's doing. Hmm. Um, is there anything else you would like to add? I was going to read one of my my poems. This is called My Brain Needs an Overhaul. Lord, my brain needs an overhaul. Guilt, shame, remorse, regret, anger, sadness, anxiety, fear, resentment. Disappointment and frustration have breached the firewall. They are coming at me on every angle. My mind is in a fog. I'm so unable to handle all this negative shit intertwined and tangled. Can you throw me a lifeline? I hope that it sticks because my mind is a master of delusional tricks taking me down with the next fucking fix. This is called uh, Fuck You Depression. At times like this, I look into my past abyss. Looking back, it's the smiles and laughs that I miss. I can't think straight. My mind deep in a fog. Spirituality numb. Brain stuck in the depths of a bog. Depression settles in. It finds its place in my gray matter space. It's on the brain with a can of mace. He's here looking for chaos, despair, and fear. He wants you to think of your worst nightmare. He wants you to believe in his way of life. With sadness comes hopeless, and that's what he wants. He will take you, he will break you, and make you the Take you and break you to meet the head of his soul. You take one good look and see the devil. That's cool, Rob. Do you have anything else? I'm a true believer in... Uh... Um, like anything that you can find, whether it's a, it's a, a spiritual, um, or a motivational, uh, podcast, uh, or a, you know, addicted addiction recovery, uh, Charlie, your, uh, Kratom sobriety has been a, a big help, um, because it, it, it just shows you you're not alone, you know, cause I yeah. think we isolate ourselves to where we feel like we're alone. Uh, I mean, in the battle is, is like, we are in the trench by ourselves. Like the, the, the army that, you know, the onslaught of the negative, uh, thoughts and everything that's just bombarding our brain every day. And we're feeling like there's no way to, there's no way to deal, deal with this. You know, it gets so, so dark, that cloud that kind of hovers over you gets so dark and you really truly feel like it's all on you, your, your shoulders, the weight is, is all you. And that's not true, you know? There's, yeah. there's things to do to, to help, and there's there's resources. You got to reach out for resources, man, because they're there. In the another part of this episode, I was going to talk about like the opposite of addiction is connection, and um, you know these a podcast like this can sort of be a temporary connection because and get you out of that part where you feel like you're alone in isolation. Then you can get okay. There's others, and then you can then you can replicate that same connection in your own life, you know, with the yeah. people around you. But sometimes when you're, I felt like when I was in the middle of my kratom addiction, and I was in that cycle of, and I I think I was on the hooked on the same product, you know, those kratom shots. I mean, yeah. it's uh, it, 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 it there seems like there's no way to break it, you know, and it's just repetitive. And I, I'm glad yeah. you found the podcast helpful and when you get a, when you are able to interrupt that like horrible addiction, you know, then you can see a little bit more clearly and like take some steps to like, you know, are, are you, are you anxious about the next, you know, 30 or 60 days and trying to maintain sobriety or do you feel strong? Um, you know, there's always, there's always a bit of, of 
uncertainty or, 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 you know, I can't, I can't look, first of all, I can't look, um, in, in the rear view mirror, right? Yeah. Because I can't drive a car looking in the rear view mirror the whole time. You, you, you only, I only want to look in the rear view mirror to gauge how far I've come. That's, that's it. And then as, for, as far as looking, you know, forward, you know, um, it's like, I don't, I don't want to look too far. Like, I just want to, you know, I just want to stay moment to moment They, you know, they, they, I guess that that's why they call the, the day that we're dealing with, you know, being present, they call it a present because you are present, you're in this moment. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's, that's all I, that's all I have is a day to day thing. And that, that's what I'm telling myself. Like, cause I know that, that the waves are going to come, you know, the, the life, life, <laughs> life is a battle. It's an up and down battle. Right. We all, we all struggle. Um, it's what we do with that struggle. It's how we react to that struggle. And, 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 and if, are we going to let it affect us and take us down? Or are we going to, you know, stand tall and do what we need to do to, again, to, to strap those boots tight and, and fight, right? Put on the gloves and, and go at it and, and just don't give up. That's, that's the main message because uh, it's, it's the easy way out. The, you know, the easy, softer way is, is just not. Yeah. Easier, softer way is, is death. Six feet under. It's institutions. It's mental mm -hmm. hospitals. It's not your brain's not functioning. Not not normal. It's all rewired. It's all wired different because you you've saturated it with all that crap. You know. Well, thanks a lot, Rob. This has been a great conversation. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's been good talking, Charlie, and uh, we'll keep in touch. It's, Definitely. It's Keep up the good work because there's a lot of people that there's a lot of people out there. I know there's a lot of people out there that really are struggling and, and they just feel hopeless. And there is hope. There is hope for sure. Kratom in the headlines. Today we're going to talk about an article in psychology today called exploring the complexities of kratom assessing the risks and potential benefits of a popular yet controversial herb this was written by jana Wu from mountainside treatment center before i get into it it did the article made me think about you know how some people experience a substance as a medicine and others experience it as an addictive drug and it made me think about people I know who use Adderall. And I know some addicts who were, you know, down and out in the gutter types that have come to find Adderall to be very helpful and to really transform their lives because of their attention deficit disorder symptoms, even though with their addictive histories, they, there was no, they don't use it in any way in an abusive way or, you know, they use as prescribed, especially in the context of nowadays, it's hard. There's Adderall shortages, and this is a major problem. Also in the context, you know, if I understand right, Adderall essentially is, is very similar to meth salts. Obviously, there's no stigma with using it as prescribed, and there's no risk of being interactions with the criminal justice system. On the other hand, I know many addicts who have struggled with Adderall, not just recreationally, they might have first tried to use it instrumentally, and then it turned into an addiction itself. 
It's just an interesting question. It parallels debate about Kratom. The one thing I will say that people that struggle with using Kratom problematically, it's not because there's something wrong inherently with them and that, you know, and there's a lot of quackery and, and Kratom advocacy, you know, only people that honor and respect Kratom get the benefit. And for some reason, they're more deserving. And I reject that. And it's similar benefits from Adderall. It doesn't mean that they're a better person. There's just a, a bunch of physiological and other issues that interact with the use of that substance. And it ju- it is just an interesting discussion about when is a substance a medicine and when is it a drug? So now to the article, it has an initial discussion about the, the background of the compound and some of the scientific um, inf- basic information about the, the substance, a little bit about the regulation debate. And, and it has a, it's balanced. It has a, talks about some of the benefits and how it does help many people. Then it discusses the negative side effects of Kratom, and then it gets to a, a paragraph that I'm going to read for you. In my professional experience, I have worked with clients who have tried using Kratom to reduce opiate cravings, resulting in negative effects on their family relationships, finances, and mental health. Several clients have reported that while Kratom initially helped them manage cravings, their tolerance for Kratom increased to a problematic level. Other patients reported that new dependence on Kratom negatively affected their daily living with some stealing thousands of dollars to support their frequent Kratom use, missing work, and making choices they would otherwise not make had they not been under the influence of the substance. As one can likely predict, when the use of Kratom is stopped abruptly after prolonged use or in large amounts, individuals may experience withdrawal symptoms such as anxiety, irritability, muscle aches, insomnia, and depression. Then they go into the Kratom treatment options. You know, Mountainside is a residential and outpatient substance abuse facilities, so they have uh, lots of options there. It's a commercial enterprise. One thing she talks about is, furthermore, wellness treatments can emphasize self-compassion, self-awareness, and empowerment. Through practices like mindfulness and meditation, individuals can develop a deeper understanding of their pain, triggers, and compulsive patterns of struggle. And she ends with further research is needed on the benefits of creating use as well as safe dosages, drug interactions, and negative side effects. Without this critical knowledge, the door remains open for dangerous, unintended, short, and long-term health effects. So that's it for Kratom in the headlines. Just a programming note. I am looking and welcoming people who are interested in being a guest on the show. I especially would like to talk to more women or people in their 40s, 50s, or 60s, and others from a wide range of diverse backgrounds. Please give me a voicemail or send me an email at kratomsobriety at gmail.com. Resource of the week. I will put that Psychology Today article in the notes. Also, the free PDF of the addiction book that had the chapter on cross addiction. And I'll put the book Rob mentioned in his discussion as well in the show notes. You might have heard of this great talk entitled 
Everything You Thought You Knew About Addiction is Wrong. It is a brilliant lecture by the British Swiss writer Johan Hari. Essentially, he makes the compelling case that addiction is socially constructed. It's like the question about mass shootings. Is it the guns that kill, or is it broken people who kill? His closing line is, the opposite of addiction is connection. I believe that is very true. I also think that is a horrible thing to say to someone still struggling with the bad Kratom habit that they can't get out of despite a strong desire to stop. And that's true for anybody struggling with any form of addiction in the early days. That's because we are decades before we can operationalize Hari's vision of a new society, a society where drugs are decriminalized and society's reaction to drugs is not cops and prisons. A society where we are connected to each other and not driving around in our individual cars while using our phones and living in our McMansions or our little housing units if we're not that high up on the economic income scale. So that is it for episode 10. Next week will be a shorter show without an interview. I'm traveling out of state and taking a bit of a vacation. I do know everybody's here for the talks with people struggling with Kratom addiction as the two episodes without interviews only get 20% of the downloads and listens. Please reach out by mail or phone if you want to get in touch. I receive those messages every day. I'm only on social media now twice a week, and it may take a little longer to respond on those channels. Until next week, keep it Kratom free. We'll